Hey everyone, welcome to the Mobile User Acquisition Show. In the Mobile User Acquisition Show, we feature interviews with the smartest folks in mobile and growth who share invaluable, actionable, tactical insights on every aspect of mobile growth and marketing, not to mention some adjacent areas just as well. The Mobile User Acquisition Show is presented by me, Shamant Rao, CEO of the mobile growth marketing firm Rocketship HQ and produced by Karishma Sundaram, our superstar content marketing manager at Rocketship HQ. Each episode includes strategies, tips, and pointers from the leading edge of mobile growth marketing that you can use to unlock tremendous growth for your app in a sustainable and capital-efficient manner. We are excited today to welcome Nahir Garcia, the head of user acquisition at Etomax, creators of the successful series of games Trivia Crack. As a quick note, this is the English version of the Spanish episode that we released a few weeks ago. Please feel free to check that out if you listen to Spanish. In today's episode in English, Nahir tells us about influencer marketing and how to scale it. Nahir talks about the types of influencers out there, how to evaluate their fit, even if they've never worked with games before, how to give guidelines to influencers, how to schedule campaigns, and one of the most important things, how to measure performance when performance metrics are unclear. And we talk about so much, much more. If you're curious about what it's like to work with influencers at a large scale, you'll enjoy this episode. Please check this out. I am very excited to welcome Nahir Garcia to the Mobile User Acquisition Show again. Welcome. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Definitely excited to have you. Again, we spoke in the Spanish edition a couple of days ago. This is certainly something that is very fascinating and very inspiring. So definitely wanted to make sure we covered the same ground also in English. Right. So let's jump right in then. Right. So okay. what... Yeah, well, what inspired you to start testing influencer creators for the first Well, I think something that helped us a lot to make a decision was our need to scale and grow our user acquisition efforts. I had the chance to build several departments and acquisition teams in, in gaming industry and other companies in the past. And I believe that at a certain point when we talk about products with huge marketing acquisition strategies, most of these companies aim to scale. When I say scale and say it in both in terms of user and amounts of users and quality of them. I think one of the biggest challenges that several companies face in is making the acquisition grow, you know keeping the user quality in a totally competitive environment with more players and higher CPMs every time. Um, in Ethermax, for example, we make an enormous investment on Facebook, Google, and several other networks, but we are still on the finding, uh, in, in the need of defining uh, other opportunities to invest and, and get more users to, to our games. And we know that influencer marketing has been growing so fast in last year. 
on the other hand, we already have a, a solid structure in, in terms of acquisition. We definitely saw a big opportunity here. We want to explore it, you know, start to, yeah. to learn and understand more about this new kind of acquisition. Yeah, yeah. And at the scale you guys operate, like you said, right, just relying on the traditional channels, Google, Facebook, and even ad networks, it's not enough. You need to find incremental scale. There's absolutely, it absolutely makes sense for folks to explore a channel like influencer marketing at that point of time. So I would love to understand a little bit more about the process, right? So how, how, how do you evaluate the affinity of an influencer with a game? And I'm also curious because a lot of influencers have never worked with games. And so, you know, if they've never worked with games, they've never even like played the game. How do you evaluate them? Are there specific signals that you're looking at? You know, if you're looking at an influencer and you're saying, hey, let's look at these signals and say this, this person can be good for us. How, how do you evaluate these? Well, I think the market is pretty young and we have a lot to learn here. We usually struggle with fraud, you know, the, the sales of fake users. So we have to be careful when we find a potential new influencer. We invest a lot of time analyzing the quality of his audience before moving forward with, with a first campaign. But basically we have a process where the first thing we do is research to understand what kind of influencer exists, what categories could be more useful. From then, we began to, to choose different type of YouTubers, Instagrammers, and TikTokers. From January until now, we have tested more than 60 different influencers. Mm -hmm. And we aim to double that number by the end of oh, the wow. year. Yeah. I, actually, it's not necessary for them to, to work in gaming industry, but when we go out to find a new, new influencer, we pay special attention to ensuring that his audience has an affinity to our games. I think to make a good influencer marketing strategy, it doesn't matter how many followers you have, but how much ability you have to influence your audience, you know? Yeah, 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 right. And if they have a lot of followers, that can also be fake followers. So it can also be a challenge. And I'm sure you talked about that as well, right? Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. And you talked about, look, there's different types and categories of influencers. Can you give examples of these types of influencers or audiences that you've looked at? And I'm also asking this because for games like yours, for Trivia Crack, there can be a lot of different types, right, of categories, right? So you could have like sports trivia, entertainment, politics, everything. So how do you decide what categories to pick and what are some examples and what types of influencers do you prioritize? Yeah, we are leaders in, in trivia games and trivia is something that everyone enjoys, <laughs> can be associated with any topics and that gives us some flexibility to adapt the content to, to different categories. 
uh, while still showing a, a relevant message. We have done tests with many categories, many, many categories, anime, lifestyle, cosplayers, game channels. And at this point, I think that the testing process is very important. I mean, it is still of kind of creative experimentation. So in that process, we'll which categories work better. Of course, it takes time to, to create and establish processes, you know, to learn what the best category for each game are. But I think we are definitely on that way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And out of all the categories or, you know, types of influencers you have tested, are there categories that were surprising? Uh, yeah, totally. For example, anime and comics are yeah. something that we have recently discovered, you know, positive experience. We had not imagined that it could work so well. Wow. Yeah. I also like what you said about you recently discovered, so which means you're testing new categories and you're saying, hey, is this category working well? Is this doing well or not? Right. So you're not like going after one set of categories only, but you're also running constant mm -hmm. tests to find other new types of players, other types of influences. Yeah. Uh, and a lot of these influencers have very different styles. They're very different ways to make videos. Right? So again, a cosplay influencer would just have a very different style compared to comics or somebody in sports. Mm -hmm. So with all of these differences, are you like giving them exact dialogues or are you telling them do whatever you want? What, what is that process of communication? What does that guideline process look like? Yeah, we, we usually try not to give them scripts or dialogues to work with. At the end of the day, what we are looking for is a long-term partnership where both parties benefit from the campaigns that we made together. I mean, we work on a, on a teamwork between the creative ideas that the influencer may have and what we need as a company. I always prefer agreements where both parties win, you know, win win. This is an important concept for us because we really care about the users. We know that a loyal audience is very valuable in terms of marketing and business. And anyway, I, I we send them a brief with our brand guidelines, the, the tracking link we use and the hashtag we need. But the most important thing for us is to take care of the influencer's audience and that our message is as relevant as possible for them. So mm -hmm. basically we work together to decide what would be the best communication and the best message to, to promote our titles. Try to provide them, I don't know, tools such as promotions or exclusive benefit for their followers only. I think having that possibility is key, usually works very well. It, it, it's, you know, super important point and definitely the, the most natural way to, to promote a product. 
Yeah, yeah. And I like what you said about you are thinking about the influencer's audience. You think about how do we take care of the influencer's audience? How do we make it easy for them? Right? And how do we give them enough incentives by giving promotions or exclusive benefits? I would also imagine if you had to give them promotions, you had to work with the gaming team to, and the product managers, the producers to make that happen. So it sounds like it's quite a coordinated effort to make this happen and also tailor everything to the audience of the influencer. So also, right? So in terms of the day-to-day logistics, and you said you tested 60 influencers, you're aiming to double that. How do you schedule the influencer posts? And how often are these posts running? How do you think about the scheduling? We have a process where we explore together, you know, what type of integration is most convenient, in which social network we want to run, we discuss the markets, guidelines, at create a level, we, we define a calendar together. And the, the day of, of launch usually depends on, on the influencer and, and the network, of course. Finally, we plan dates for, for those on a, on a calendar. The rest is a matter of, of testing and analyze results. Our, our main goal is to have at least a post a day, which will allow us to, to build a, a sustainable brand over time that will undoubtedly position us much better at the branding level, you know, uh, next, yeah. Uh, next year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And one post today, I imagine that's a lot of coordination and we just talked about what that involves. That's something, that's crazy, yeah. And, you know, I imagine it's not easy to track metrics for these influencers. Definitely, it's not the same as traditional channels. So what are some of the metrics that you are looking at in your dashboards to evaluate Mm -hmm. success? Well, I particularly come from the words of performance marketing. As you know, here, the the game rules change a bit. (laughs) And I I confess that I still have a hard time, you know, detaching myself from certain KPIs that I constantly look at before. It's quite difficult when we don't have tracking links, you know. For example, TikTok doesn't have that possibility, but we can do it on YouTube. So basically, we have to think where is the best mix in in each case. We, of course, monitor the impact on on organic sources, but we're not completely blind. I I mean, I I have uh, engagement, we have number of views, cost per view, how long it takes from posting until TikTok, for example, expose it to a major audience. We have all that information which can be measured and used to go through iterations, you know, keeping the, the elements that we believe worked and changing others. It can be the music, the hashtags, the, the length of the video, and of course, the, the creative content. I think 
within branding, we are discovering an experimentation process where I list all of us to know where we stand and what should be our next move. Yeah, yeah, like you, like you said, it's very, very different metrics, but you're not completely flying blind. Like you said, you're also monitoring the organic impact. It's a ghost live today. You kind of know somewhat directionally what's happening. Okay. And again, just talking about the day-to-day -day logistics of running these campaigns, uh, there is, how do you decide whether to work with an agency or going direct to an influencer? What's, what's better? Mm. We, we work with both. Some influencers work only with agencies and that is okay, while others can do direct deals. Obviously, when we work in direct contracts, the costs are reduced and as yeah. a result, we have a, a better return of that investment. But to be honest, uh, we are normally open to working in, in both ways, as long as the goals are reasonable, of course. Mm -hmm. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I also imagine and understand some influencers just work only through agencies, right? It's, and that can also be a factor. Right. And also, right, so in, again, talking about the logistics of working with these folks, I imagine, I, I actually know, no, influencers don't work based on performance. Right. So mm -hmm. you, you tell them, oh, I will pay you for CPI. They'll say, no, no, thank mm -hmm. you. Right. So how do you evaluate pricing? How do you justify pricing? Well, uh, in, yeah, in, influencer cost can vary based on your business goal, industry, platforms you are targeting, posting frequency, and usually they have a flat price, you know, <laughs> but I think having a good influencer marketing strategy takes time and it's mostly associated with branding actions. Definitely, this is not performance. The justification for this cost is the same as any branding campaign, campaign can I have. I think it's essential to, to combine, you know, both strategies, branding and, and performance. And if you can create a, a strong brand supported by actions that bring you results, probably your branding strategies uh, will enhance the results uh, you can have in your performance campaigns. Performance for us as a data-driven company, it's obviously a huge factor in our growth. We, we are very performance-focused, but we are not going to sustain and keep it, the users around if we don't have a good brand. Yeah, 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 certainly. Right. And are there examples of campaigns that you can think of that were very successful? In general, the categories that work better in terms of acquisition are entertainment and science. In case of influencer, we had had good results with anime and comics, 
which are actually two categories inside the entertainment. But it depends on the creativity of the influencer. For example, I remember a campaign where the influencer answered a wrong question and someone stuffed a dart in his face. Oh, wow. <laughs> and yeah. it, it was really funny and very well. Humor always works, you know. That happens in trivia crack. If you get wrong answers, somebody will stuff that in your face. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, hopefully it does not happen in the real app. Okay. No, no. No, no. It does not happen. Okay, great. And are there examples of, of campaigns that you expected that, okay, this, we thought this would be very successful, but it did not work out? Yeah. 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 Many. We have many. These are, you know, the, the, the most interesting, the, the ones that teach you, you should, uh, what you should not to do. All campaigns are partly a bet, partly certainty, I think. Yeah. For example, we believe that uh, lifestyle would be a good category because we understood that audience could work with our product. But uh, to our surprise, this turned out to be the, the worst campaign. Of course, the, the lesson was really useful, but again, the learning process is most important here. Yeah. We always try to understand and document this learning so as not to repeat the same mistakes and to make better decisions in the future. But you know, if you are not making any mistake, you are not innovating and probably you are not learning anything. Yeah, I like how you say that because even earlier you were talking about how you're discovering new categories, right? And if you're discovering, you have to test and some of those are not going to work. And like you also said, you're still documenting the learnings. You're trying to understand the learnings. So it sounds like one of the goals is also learning about the audience. It's not, you know, obviously performance is good. Performance is great. It's performance is always helpful. But it sounds like one big goal is just learning about the crowd, you know, how odd people are reacting, how influencers are reacting to the audience, to the campaign. Totally. Totally. Right? Yeah. 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 Mahir, this was very in-depth. This is certainly instructive. I certainly learned a lot. Just because, much like you, I've also worked so much in performance marketing and with influencers, one of the things that scares people is that it's not clearly as measurable, it's not as clear. So thank you for breaking this down for us. Thank you for breaking down the process of how all of this works. This oh, is Thank you to Shamanti. What's a really pleasure. Thank you so much. Yeah, this is probably a good place for us to wrap. But before we do that, can you tell people how they can find out more about you, your work, everything you do? Yeah, probably in Google. Find me on LinkedIn too. Okay. Great, great. So we will link to your LinkedIn and uh, yeah, if there are any other links, we can put those into the show notes also afterwards just as well. All right. Perfect. Uh, yeah, wonderful Nahir. So thank you so much for being on the Mobile User Acquisition Show for the second time. And thank you for both the interviews. We are excited to put this out very soon. Thank you so much.
Thank you for listening to the Mobile User Acquisition Show. If any of this was helpful or instructive, I would love for you to leave us a review or rating on iTunes, Stitcher, Overcast, or wherever you get your podcast fix. This podcast takes a ton of time, effort, and love to produce, and I deeply value every review and every piece of feedback that you share. Thank you for listening, and I will look forward to sharing our next episode soon.